Well, good morning. Welcome to Epic. My name is Sarah Jones, and we are in the fourth part. We're concluding our series today called Heart Check, and we've been talking about the conditions of our hearts. So recently, I had something happen to me that、um, reminded me of something my grandmother had told me about the heart. Tim and I have two kids: Audrey, who is three, and Trevor, who is 14 months. All boy, and we had, as you remember, several weeks ago, lots and lots of rain, and we had been cooped up in the house. And I thought, you know what? We just need to get outside for a bit. So I took the kids in the backyard, and they quickly found the one big spot of dirt, which that day was pretty much mud in our backyard. And so I'm one of those clean freak, hand sanitizing moms. I'm all about the hand sanitizer, but I don't know what happened to me that day, what came over me. But I thought, you know what, Sarah, just a little bit of dirt, it won't hurt anything. So, with my one-year-old Trevor, a little bit of dirt quickly became a lot of dirt, as you can imagine. He was having a ball. He became covered from head to toe with dirt. He ended up having—I think he was like drooling dirt. I don't know if you can see in that picture, but it was like coming out of his mouth. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I had to take pictures because I thought my husband Tim will not believe it that I let them play in the dirt like that. But after I gave them baths and thought about it and recovered from that trauma, it reminded me of、um, what my grandma had had said to me years ago about our hearts and raising kids. She said, Sarah, don't be concerned with the dirt you can see. Be concerned with the dirt you can't see. And as we're talking about our hearts and the conditions of our hearts, I, as we think about that, we have been taught so often to monitor our behavior, been taught to monitor what people can see, what comes out of our mouths, what we do. And we've been we learn at school and we learn from our families. There are certain things you can say and certain things you cannot say, or there will be consequences. But no one has really taught us to be so diligent and monitor our hearts. But the writer of Proverbs says, "Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What's going on in our hearts directs our life, whether for the good or for the harm. We do everything from our hearts. We live from our hearts. We parent from our hearts. We love from our hearts. We date from our hearts. We lead from our hearts. Everything is from our hearts. So the condition of our hearts." Shapes all of those relationships and our lives. So that's why our hearts are so important. In this series, we've been asking the question, "How's your heart? What's going on in your heart?" And we've looked at a couple things that can damage our hearts. We've looked at unforgiveness and anger, and how we can be free from those things. And this morning, we're going to talk about another subject that can hurt our hearts, and we're going to talk about guilt, something we all experience. But before we launch into the heart of where we're going today, I want to talk a little bit about guilt, how it relates, as how it relates to the church. Because for some of us, depending on the religious tradition we grew up in, we may closely associate guilt with the church, and we think about, oh, we're talking about guilt today. Great. Hopefully, this is not going to be one big guilt trip. Because maybe in the religious tradition you grew up in, it was. If you missed a Sunday, man, you felt that guilt and condemnation from those who attended with you. Or maybe if you didn't live up to the standards of the church, maybe you felt guilt、um, and condemnation heaped on you from the church and the church leaders. But when I read the New Testament, I don't see Jesus leveraging guilt. Jesus, if anyone could have leveraged guilt, Jesus could have. He was guiltless. He was perfect. 
But Jesus did not leverage guilt. He took another approach. In Romans 2, it says, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Did you catch that? His kindness. His kindness, his goodness, his compassion, his mercy is intended to help us change, to lead us to repentance. So maybe for some of you, that might just help you breathe a sigh of relief this morning as we talk about guilt. Our our intention this morning is not to make us feel more guilty. We usually are pretty good at doing that ourselves. But we want to talk about how can we help get rid of the guilt we are all already experiencing. As I said, in this series, we're looking at things that can damage our hearts. And all of these things cause something to be out of balance in our relationships. They cause some tension in our relationships. For example, if we were to owe someone money, or vice versa, if you owe someone money, you know this to be true, that this debt causes something to be out of balance in the relationship. Usually the person who is owed the money feels that upper hand in the relationship. But sometimes, if that person is refusing to pay up, that person can have the upper hand in the relationship. But either way, this debt, it's always in the room with you, isn't it? It controls that relationship to some degree. And there are only two ways to get rid of that debt. Either someone has to pay up, or that debt has to be canceled. There's only those two options. And if that debt remains unresolved, if it's lingering, it becomes a filter for everything else in the relationship. It controls that relationship. And this idea of a debt-debtor relationship, this also is true not only in our, with our money, but also with our hurts and our offenses with other people. If we offend someone, it causes a debt in that relationship. We, we may even think about it like this. We have language for this. We say, I owe you an apology, or let me make that up to you, because guilt says, I owe you. When we've done something to hurt someone, when we've um, done an offense against some, someone, we feel guilty because we've taken something from them. We've caused a debt. So we, we say, I owe you something for that. There isn't a debt that has occurred. Think about it. Every wrong that we do can be restated as an act of theft. If we were um, to lie about someone and, um, and to gossip about them, for example, we could destroy their reputation and steal their reputation from them. If a child, if a student were to habitually lie to their parents, they've stolen the opportunity of a trusting relationship with their parents. If a husband cheats on his wife, he's stolen his, her emotional security from that relationship. If an employer um, unjustly fires someone, they've stolen that family's financial security. So whenever that there is a debt that has occurred, we've taken something from them. We've stolen something. And if we were the ones who took something, we feel guilty. Guilty, guilt is simply the result of having done something we perceived as wrong. It's that inner sense that we have in our hearts that an inequity has occurred in the relationship. It's that sense we've, we've messed up. So that's what guilt is. But let's talk about how do we experience guilt. We experience guilt as a weight, as a burden that we carry around with us. It's that thing we carry when we think about um, that situation that may have happened years ago at work, and you think, oh, I can't believe I did that. You feel that weight. 
Or it may be that burden you carry when you think about those cutting words you said to your teenager many years ago, but you know that caused damage in their hearts. And so we just carry this around with us from season to season, from stage to stage in our lives. Let me give you an example. When I was in the second grade, for some reason, I decided to cheat on my spelling test. I'm not quite sure why I decided to do this, but I decided I need to make sure I get just perfect score on my spelling test. So I wrote out all of my spelling words in my big handwriting on, okay, this was not the smartest thing, I have to admit this, bright yellow legal pad paper. So I thought, surely my teacher won't notice my yellow legal pad paper like every second grader brings that to school. So I wrote them out and I put that right in the front of my desk. And it was um, in those days, back in the 80s, we had those, front, those desks that were, front, um, that were open in the front. So I slid it right in the front. I was sitting in the back. And so as the teacher would go through the spelling words, I would just kind of scoot down and just check my words. Well, this worked for a few words. After a few words, I heard my teacher say, Sarah, bring that paper and come out into the hall. And my little heart just raced. And so um, she said, first of all, she knew I knew better because she knew my parents. And she said, Sarah, I want you to go home and tell your parents. Now take a wild guess what I did or didn't do. I did not tell my parents for two years. I carried around this weight of guilt. Seriously, two years. I know none of you would ever do that, but two years. And so I actually had stomach aches on and off during that time. I felt so bad and so guilty about this weight that I was carrying around. We all have weight that we carry around, maybe from our childhood, but for most of us, as we get older, it can be weightier things that we may carry around with us. And as Tony talked about last week, unresolved guilt or unresolved debt, and he mentioned this about anger, unresolved anger that we carry around with us, just we carry from season to season, stage to stage in our lives, and continues to affect us and affect our relationships. The guilt that we picked up in our early 20s doesn't leave us when we get married. We carry it into our marriages. The guilt we picked up on a weekend away with our friends, we carry back with us into our families. The guilt we picked up in our early work, working years, we carry with us into that leadership or management position later on in our lives. That guilt just doesn't go away. It grows and grows and festers and, and can very much affect us. Over time, it can become so much a part of us that we may not even recognize it anymore. There may become an edge about us, but if someone were to say, hey, what's going on? It just seems like there's this edge about you these days. You would say, that's just the way I am. I'm, I'm, I'm like that. I'm, there's nothing wrong. But if we were to get deeper into that, it's probably that we're angry. And that anger may be directed towards someone in our lives, but if we were to dig deep, that anger is probably directed towards ourselves. We've disappointed someone, and often that person we've disappointed is us. We said, you know, I never would do that, but we did. We promised our kids, you know, I'll never do that, but that's what ended up happening. Our disappointment is with us. My disappointment is with me and affects all of my relationships. So if we don't deal with that unresolved, unresolved debt and guilt in our lives, it damages our hearts and affects those around us. 
And our hearts are the most important things about us because we do everything from our hearts. The course of our life is directed by our hearts. So if we don't resolve that guilt that we're carrying, it will affect us for our life. So how do we get rid of this guilt? How do we remove the guilt we're carrying, this weight and this debt? For most of us, there's no way to go back and repay that debt. Years have passed. We can't go back in time. How do you return years of not being there to tuck in your kids at night, for example? Or how do you return a destroyed self-esteem by cutting words? How do you do that? But the good news for us this morning is there's another way. The only way for our debt to be canceled requires confession. Now, confession isn't easy, but confession is the one thing that can free us from the grip of guilt and debt on our lives. So let's look at this morning at how God says we are to resolve this debt in our lives. Let's look at what he says about confession. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which is page 941 in your paperback Bibles. And we're going to start at this passage, and then we'll look at several more passages together. And if you grew up in the church, this may be one of the first verses you learned as a child because it is a powerful verse. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and he is just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Confession to God is where confession always starts. We first go to God and say, God, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And the beautiful thing, this verse says, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The great thing is there's not a lot of other things in there. It doesn't say if we confess plus feel bad for a prescribed amount of time. Or it doesn't say if we confess plus then try to make it back up to God. It just says if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive. In Psalms, one of the writers says that God will remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. When you think about that, the East and the West never meet. And so he removes our sin from us as far as that. We'll never meet with our sin again. It is separated from us. And so we can rejoice and rest in that fact that when we confess, God forgives us. Our sins are gone. Now, I wish all of our sins were just between us and God because we could really wrap up right now and go home and apply that and rest in that. But Most of our sins, most of our guilt is with other people as well. We've hurt someone, we've caused a debt, we've harmed someone. And I don't know about you, but when I have hurt someone, when I have that debt, even after I confess to God, I often still feel guilty. So what are we to do with this lingering relational debt that we have with other people in our lives? Let's look at what God says. Early on in his relationship with the Israelite people, God told his people to confess, and he gave them exact requirements of what to do. Let's look at Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 to 7, and we'll put it on the screen for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done. 
adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. It's pretty clear. God told his people, when you've done something wrong, there's guilt there. You have to confess, confess to that person, make restitution, and then add an additional 20%. He doesn't say, just confess to me and we'll forget it. He says, go to that person and confess. Now, in the New Testament story, we f- in a New Testament story, we find the story of Zacchaeus, a man who followed this Old Testament um, law of restitution, but then went way beyond that. Now, you may be familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. It's a great story. Zacchaeus was a short little man. The Bible says he was a tax collector um, in, for the Roman Empire. Now, he was a Jewish man, but he worked for Rome, and he would collect taxes from um, the people for Rome. And Rome had a prescribed amount of tax that they were um, required to collect. But whatever Zacchaeus could get from people above and beyond that of the tax, he was able to pocket. So you can imagine him being a tax collector, first of all, and then stealing from his countryman, countrymen. You can imagine just how popular he was. But one day he had an encounter with Jesus that changed him. Jesus actually invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And when, through the interaction with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus found um, in Jesus the hope and the forgiveness that he had been looking for. And let's look at what Jesus told him, he, um, how, respond, how Jesus responded to what Zacchaeus did. Because Zacchaeus knew instinctively that after he made his relationship right with God, that he needed to do something more because there was all of these broken relationships around him. Let's look at Luke chapter 19, verse 8. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Wow. Talk about life change. That encounter with Jesus changed his life. He said, I'm going to not only give back what was stolen, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, and I'm going to give back four times as much. Instead of 20%, 400% of what was taken. And so Jesus at that moment could have said, you know, Zacchaeus, you know, you and I are good. You've confessed to me. Why don't you just keep your money, maybe give some to the poor, but keep the rest of it. You don't need to make it right with everyone else. That's not what Jesus said. Let's look at what Jesus said in verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In effect, Jesus was saying, now I know for sure that you are changed that salvation has come to this man because Zacchaeus' confession was evidence of a change in his heart. His confession changed him. Could you imagine the relationships that were restored that day when people not only heard his confession, but saw the restitution, saw his generosity? And Jesus praised him for that. He praised him for restoring those relationships because restored relationships are at the top of God's priorities. Let's look at what he says, what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Jesus said, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Wow. Jesus said, When you are worshiping, if you remember that you've hurt someone, that if you have something against them, stop worshiping me in that moment and go and make it right with that person. That may sound 
slightly inconvenient. To me, it sure does. Like, I need to stop worship and go to that person. But Jesus said, yeah, sometimes confession can cost you something. Sometimes it may be inconvenient to you. But do it anyway. Be reconciled first and then worship. James, the half-brother of Jesus, also weighed in on the importance of confession. Let's look at this last passage. In James 5.16, James wrote, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James says we are to confess our sins to each other so that we can be healed. We all want that inner freedom and forgiveness, but the way to have that is through confession, is through asking forgiveness. Someone has said, if we want to be right on the inside, we have to go to people on the outside. And that's because confession brings freedom, freedom from guilt. That's what God wants for us most of all today. He wants us to be free. That's what he desires for us, is that freedom that he came and sent Jesus to die for. He wants us to be free, free from guilt, but also free from the cycle of sin in our lives. I think we may have all experienced this before, but the sins that we confess only to God, we are the most likely to repeat and keep on sinning. We may feel guilty and repentant at that moment, and we say, God, would you forgive me for that and feel bad? And then the next day or the next week or next month, we do that again. And that's because our, that confession hasn't changed us. That debt is not only with God, but it's with another person. We have to confess in such a way that it breaks that cycle of sin in our lives. Think about this. If a student were to cheat on a test and then go and confess to his teacher, what do you think is the likelihood of him doing that again? Or if someone were to gossip about their friend, lie about their friend, and then were to confess to that friend, what do you think is the likelihood of, that, of them doing that again? Probably not very likely, because when we confess to someone else, when we make that right, when we cancel that debt, that not only freed us, frees us from the guilt, but breaks that power of that sin in our lives. This is so important because when we do that, when we confess in such a way that it changes us, it changes our hearts because our hearts is where we live from. We do everything from our hearts and God wants us to have free, um, whole hearts. And so we've got to confess in a way that frees our hearts. But we all know this confession thing that we're talking about is not easy. Confession can be difficult. And we can choose to confess or we can choose to conceal, to conceal that guilt, to conceal that debt. Several years ago, I heard a message similar, on a similar subject to this. And God just spoke to my heart and I did a heart check after that message. And I realized there was some guilt, there was some weight I had been carrying around from my past. So I made a list of those things and um, wrote those things down. And then I went to those people and confessed. I was so scared at that moment. I was um, terrified of what they might think or what could the consequences be. In one case, I went to an organization and made that right. And um, 
It was tough, but it was so worth it because I knew that at that moment, I was free. I was free from that guilt, and that power of that sin in my life was broken. And that's the power that confession has. Now, on the other hand, secrets, they can be like splinters in our hearts. When you think about it, the only way for a splinter to be, um, for a wound that a splinter causes to be healed is to remove that splinter. If that stays in there, it gets infected. And secrets are like that. They do that to our hearts. So I want to encourage you this morning, do a heart check. How is your heart this morning? Is everything okay in your heart? Is there some unresolved guilt? Or is there a weight of debt that you've been carrying around? Is there a secret that's like a splinter in there and causing a wound in your heart? We have a choice this morning, and that is to confess or to conceal. Confession frees our hearts, but concealment will damage our hearts over the long run. The only thing concealment will do is hurt our hearts. Now, there are consequences to both confession and concealment. If we confess, there may be some immediate consequences for a handful of people for our lives. But if we choose to conceal over the long term, it will affect all of our relationships because that will hurt our hearts. And it will damage us for the long term and damage our relationships potentially for a lifetime. So God says today, are you willing to confess? Will you take that courageous step and trust your heavenly father who wants you to be free? That's what his heart is for you. It is to be free. So what's the next step this morning? It's simple. It's to confess. Start with confessing to God and saying, God, I was wrong when I did fill in the blank. I know that he forgives you. But then the second part of that is confess to that person that you have that weight of of debt, that weight of guilt with. Ask them for forgiveness specifically. Ask them to cancel your debt. And you may need to to think about and identify what exactly was that that you stole from them. Because it's so important that we confess specifically because that gives them the opportunity to cancel that debt specifically. That's how relationships are made healthy and whole again. So go to that person and say, I was wrong. I was wrong when I, and fill in the blank with what you stole from them. Maybe it was when I broke my promise to you, when I stole your reputation, when I stole the trust in our relationship. Fill in that blank and then ask them to forgive you specifically for that. I was wrong when I, will you forgive me for that specific thing? Now you may be thinking this morning, Man, if I go and do that, that's a big step. That takes courage, and it does. But what if, you may be thinking, what if they don't forgive me? What if I go to them, I confess, and they're just like, you know what? Forget it. I can't forgive you that. The wound is too great. And at that point, I would encourage you to remember what Jesus said. He said, 
I have forgiven you. Your sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. And know that you have done what you can. You've gone to that person, you've confessed, you've tried to make it right with that person. And at that moment, you can rest in God's love and grace and forgiveness for you. When we make confession a habit in our lives, it can change everything. We can experience that freedom that we all want to experience. When we confess and make that a habit, make that part of our, our lives, our hearts can be free. When we confess regularly, our relationships will be stronger and better because they'll be healthy and trusting and what we want them to be. So let's decide this morning. Let's decide to be people characterized by confession, living from hearts that are free. No more guilt, no more lingering debt, no more secrets. God wants us to be free. So let's take the step to be free this morning. I'm going to invite the band to come on up, and they're going to close us in a song this morning, Amazing Grace, about God's rich grace for us. But before we sing that song, I want to just pause for a moment, carve up some space for us to talk to God. So if you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And if the Holy Spirit has just identified that weight of guilt that you've been carrying, and you want to be free this morning, I would encourage you, confess to God. Say, God, I was wrong. You know what I did. But I want to tell you, I was wrong when I did that. Will you please forgive me? And you can rest in the fact that he does and he will. And then tell God that you're willing to go and confess to that person. Ask him for the courage to do that. If you need to, to tell someone about your decision to do that, I encourage you to do that so they can pray with you and encourage you on that. Because God wants nothing more for us than to be free this morning. God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that our sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. You are so good to us. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what we do with what we heard this morning and the courage to do it, to follow through, Lord, to confess that to that person. And I pray that you would restore relationships, that you'd bring relationships to health and fullness and freedom through our willingness to take this step. God, you are so good and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you would like to pray with someone this morning or process this further, because I know it's a weighty subject, there's gonna be a couple of us up front this morning after the song, Amazing Grace. Feel free to come on up and we would be happy to pray with you and talk about um, this subject with you. Thank you. Let's stand and sing this morning, Amazing Grace. Father, we thank you so much that no matter how deep the waters are, that you've rescued us. And when we cry out to you, you come. And thank you so much because after that, after you show us your love, we should be willing to go wherever you want us to go. So we will follow you. 
So I just thank you for today, and I just pray that you will speak to our hearts, and we love you in Jesus' name, amen. You may go ahead and uh, be seated. Well, welcome to Epic today. We are so glad that you are here with us. And if you're new to Epic or you've been checking us out for a bit, um, we would love for you to get more information at our Connection Center. So if there's uh, a desire to get more information about Epic and everything, please see uh, someone at the Connection Center. They'd love to get you that information as well. Um, today, we are a little crazy. We're going to be doing a baptism out in the ocean. Uh, so there's seven people who are daring to jump into the ocean with us today to publicly profess that they have invited Jesus Christ into their hearts. And so as a church, we would love to support them. So at five o'clock today, if you could come out and cheer them on and also see if we make it, but um, if you would come on out and see us today at five o'clock, it'll be a great time. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, it's not too late. You can get baptized today. Just see myself, Tim Jones, at the Connection Center, and we'll get you signed up to be baptized today. Well, uh, if you've noticed at the shops, we are officially into Christmas season, and it's not even like Halloween yet. Um, but anyways, we are going to start talking about Christmas. And the reason we want to talk about Christmas is there, there is a lot of families that are in need. And uh, you know a lot of families locally here in the community. You know some families right here in our own church uh, that are in need. And so we would love to help out those families that you personally know. So this isn't like great aunt in Idaho. We love the great aunt in Idaho. But somebody that you personally know that may be going through some struggles um, just this year. And so what we would love for you to do is to refer them. Um, go online to our website, go to the Involve tab, click on the Epic Giving Tree, and right after Thanksgiving, we're going to have a Christmas tree next to the Connection Center with all the needs, that's food, clothing, some Christmas gifts and stuff like that, and uh, we'll do it in an honoring way where people um, have, we know their needs and that you guys can help to meet those needs. And so we would love for you to do that. If you could, uh, refer someone by November 6th. So that's like one week, two days. So be thinking about today. Go online today. Uh, refer them this week. Think about who you could be uh, helping out this season, and we would love to do that together uh, as a church. And then also, um, besides helping out in those times, God asks us to give on a regular basis a part of what he gives to us. And it releases the grip of materialism in our lives, but also furthers what he is doing, what he desires to do in our local community. And so there's two ways that you can give. If you call Epic your home, uh, there's two ways. You can give at the giving boxes located at the end of each row or also online at www.theepicchurch.com as well. And then next week, uh, do not forget to move your clocks back. Uh, if you don't, if, uh, then you'll be here really super early. And, uh, and that's great. You can help set up and everything like that. Uh, we don't mind the extra help. Um, but next week, the time changes, so an hour back, fall back. And uh, we'd love to make sure that you're aware of that. So today, we just want you to sit back and enjoy the rest of the service. And thank you for being here today. <laughs> 